This is out of bounds. This is Out of Bounds. It is your home every single Monday night for the weird, wacky, and wild in the sports world. That's me, O'Brien Flexton, on all you people out there. I'll give that to you. You look like A-Rod coming out of Biogenesis. Uh, I did get my Peloton kickboxing class in this morning, so I'm glad at least it's showing a little bit because uh, Lord knows I probably need to run a few more miles. Uh, Don't tell my mother that, though, because she doesn't need any more encouragement. Well... I don't know if you read that A-Rod ESPN piece that dropped earlier this week, or last week, I should say, that was the gigantic expose on his biogenesis stuff, but it is worth your time if you haven't. I know you have quite the affinity, Mia O'Brien, for Alexander Emmanuel, but I don't know how you'd be feeling after reading that. I mean, I pay homage to him in my uh, X or Twitter bio, whatever we're calling it these days, as mm-hmm. long as it's free um, yeah, for, and, now. Uh, for now. And, uh, you know, he's my go to answer in Immaculate Grid. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's is he really? He's your oh, go to. Yeah. Absolutely. Whenever it's anything that's 40 stolen bases. See, that's or, uh, that's yeah. interesting to me yep. because that's. That's going to kill your rarity score using him. Yeah, I know, but it's also a guarantee that I'll be correct, though. That's fair. I'll give it and to that's, you. And also, like, you're just I, trying I to say, pass. You're just right, trying to well, pass. I also will save him in my back pocket for, mm-hmm. I'll try to answer the tougher ones. Okay. And then he usually is the answer for a lot of those overlapping. I see. So. I see. You're just trying to pass the test. I get it. Right. I understand. When it comes to baseball, I'm very much let me just hit a, hit a ground rule double. When it be, when it comes to immaculate grid or crossover football, NFL or college football, that's where I'm like, okay, I'm going for the low numbers. Okay. Well, we will be talking plenty of football here on this edition of Out of Bounds on the Know Your News Network. Uh, but before we can get to that, I've got a couple housekeeping items number one you know kynchat.com that's where you can leave your super chat if you're watching or if you just want to head into the youtube chat you got you drop that super chat option you know that we're going to read it we know that we're going to see it that's how you get your comment on there sometimes that even dictates the flow of conversation um did you have a good weekend mia i know it was a jacksonville jaguars home game and it was a little bit of a rough one for you yeah, I mean, you know, it's if, at this point the pain is part of the path, John. Uh, there's nothing they, there's nothing that there's nothing they can do that will hurt me at this juncture. Uh, you know, obviously I have my concerns about Dave Campo, former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, sitting next to me uh, having another AFib incident um, mm. because he's just get he gets so passionate and so into it. Um, but that's honestly my biggest concern during games. Although today or today, yesterday it was a. Uh, a nice 95 degrees with humidity. Uh, so I'm only on the field pregame and postgame. And That's so, good. yeah, so I was only out there for two hours and I felt it. So God bless the fans that mm. sat through that entire debacle on both sides. A dip of in the, the uh, pool over there. Yeah. I, this is definitely a game that if you're going to come to Jacksonville in September, you probably want to get the pool tickets. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, it, it's funny that Patrick Mahomes threw for 300 yards because you didn't feel like it. Most of the game, both sides of the ball in terms of offense were abysmal. Well, the the craziest thing about Patrick Mahomes is that his dad played Major League Baseball and the drummer for Nirvana is the lead singer for Foo Fighters. And I got to see them last night. And that's why I've got a hoarse voice. So and wait, 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 there's one more to that. I mean, there's, Did you know there's a, a certain, lot more than one. A certain, a certain Patriots uh, former wide receiver that That's played true. college lacrosse. Chris Hogan did play college lacrosse. Yeah, let's talk about the Patriots some more, John. We, we will do just that. But before we can, Mia, I got to send out this opening toast. 
Okay, I've got this uh, tequila seltzer high noon. Oh, look! At, you're not usually um, a seltzer guy. Um, hold on. Let's get, let's get the ASMR ready. Boom. Oh, was that pretty or what? Uh, this is to Aaron Rodgers' uh, Achilles tendon. I hopefully I hope that he's able to get a foot ahead of his recovery. Cheers can to that. Imagine. Wait, can, let's reflect. It mm-hmm. was one week ago. We sat here. Doing an episode of Out of Bounds, hyping yeah. up like, my God, what is going to – four plays. Four plays, John. Four plays. But don't worry, he'll be back for the playoffs for a team that has the lowest – I'm just surprised he trusted the doctors to tell him what to do with this injury. Hmm. I know. But in the words of Kermit the Frog, that's none of my business. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Okay, Mia, let's stick with the NFL and let's talk about those Patriots you're talking about. So, Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. one of the best receivers in the league. Yep. This this is a complicated relationship that he has with the New England Patriots fans. Yesterday, he called them some of the worst fans in the NFL. He was asked after his team's 24-17 win how it felt to wave goodbye to the home crowd. He did not hold back, saying, quote, It felt tremendous, man. Those fans are some of the worst fans in the NFL. And yeah, I'm going to stand on that. They are real nasty. Some of the things they were saying, I wouldn't say in church. So yeah, it felt great to wave goodbye to the fans, and I'll do it again. Bye. End quote. No love lost there, Mia. I'm going to ask you straight up. You've seen those... Patriots fans firsthand. I covered the Patriots. Are Patriots fans the worst fans in all the National Football League? Well, first, I'd like to comment on the gentleman who has been accused of multiple domestic violence issues, uh, noting that he wouldn't say something in yeah, church. That was, the that irony was choice. That was is not choice. lost on me there, John. Uh, sure. My thing with Patriots fans, like Boston sports fans in general, to have a potty mouth, I'm indifferent to that. It's whatever. Um, so that part doesn't phase me. Um, the thing for me with Patriots fans is they truly believe, second reference of the episode tonight um, of the program, that the pain is part of the path. As much as our childhood and our entire lifetime has been marred by the Patriots being great, the reality is is they had to suffer through 30 years of infutility before they actually could break through and win Super Bowls and be a competitive NFL team. And so I give the old-time Patriot fans a lot of credit. Sure. Now, and this is where this is where the argument for me begins, um, the current Patriot fan has been treated to nothing but success for the better part of 20-plus years. Mm-hmm. And here is where my real issue lies, John. It's not with those Patriot fans that were there as the – Patriots attempted a futile comeback against the Miami Dolphins in their high-powered offense on Sunday. My issue is with those fans who, as soon as Tom Brady headed to Tampa Bay, they jumped off the bandwagon. Just like that. And I know several of them personally, including my college roommates, um, that suddenly either didn't care about football or the Patriots because Tom was gone. That is where I have some issues with Patriots fans. I'm indifferent to them and their you know choice of vulgar language um because that's just ingrained. it it goes a little beyond vulgar language so boston sports fans have a and this is documented they have a history of being accused of hurling racial slurs at players more than just about any other city in the united states as far as sports fans you remember adam jones with the orioles Mm -hmm. and like this is not something that's new with boston sports fans Boston sports fans are some of the most passionate sports fans in the world. It was a true privilege to get to cover Boston sports for three and a half years 
really just a fantastic experience. And because they care about sports, they care about sports. I would argue more than any other fan base in the country. Maybe Philly. I'll give you some. It's it's neck and neck. It's neck and neck. And I think that they live and breathe with their teams. It's so great because it really just envelopes you in the culture when you're there at an event, even if you're there casually as a spectator or you're covering it, whatever it may be. But there was always a conspiracy against their teams in every conversation that I would have with a sports. And I would be very objective in, in how I'd cover these things. I covered some great teams. I covered multiple Patriots Super Bowl teams. I covered Red Sox World Series team, a Bruins team that went very far, Celtics team that went very far. The pain is part of the path comes from Brad Stevens, Game 7 of the 2018 Eastern Conference Finals. Covered that team. There's always a conspiracy theory. Always. It is the world versus us. And I'm like, you don't reserve the right to say that when you have won so many things in the last 15 years. You don't reserve the right. To... I'm sorry. That's coming off as complaining, in my opinion. You're not wrong. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Um, but for me, again, it speaks to they are not casuals for the most part. They're, but sure. they've ne- and that is where the Tom thing pissed me off. Because all of a sudden, a bunch of them outed themselves as casuals. And they've just been given this birthright of mm-hmm. your teams are good. And once your team wasn't good slash didn't have the best player in the world, then you were bailing. And so yeah. that's where I question. That's where I look at Philly and I look at the futility of those teams and how much those fans suffered well, through it. And I understand the Eagles went to four straight NFC championship okay. games in our childhood, but the reality is, is how long did they have to wait for a Super Bowl? Let's, let's Philly's World Series in 07 though. is a thing, but or 08, excuse me. But other than that, what have they had? Let's expand the conversation, though. We're talking the NFL here. So if if it's not the Patriots, yeah. who who else is an honorable mention? Oh, for it's worst the Cowboys. Thing? Come on. So the Cowboys fan base, yeah. you're saying? The Cowboys, um, for me, and I know I'm going to get some pushback for this, uh, it is the New York contingent. Um, just because that's where a lot of... Um, a lot of jumping on the bandwagon exists sure. and you know, and that has been proven over the last month and a half, two months of the Aaron Rodgers experience I'm, on hard I'm Knocks. split on the New York thing because the one thing I'll say about New York, New York sports fans can be brutal. I mean, I listen to WFN. Oh, yeah. I know they can be brutal, right. but New York sports fans are also extremely self-deprecating to their teams. Like they, when they're bad, they are, but when they're good, like remember this time, no last one's year, good. Everyone's no, no, no. Bad. This time last year, when the Giants and the Jets both started 3-0, and there were people predicting an all-New York Super Bowl and routing out a parade. That's the thing, is when they're bad, they are self-deprecating. When they are good, they are going to beat everyone's the entire bad. universe. Everyone's bad. Like, yeah, everyone's well, now, bad yeah, right now. But... The New York Liberty are the best team in New York sports right now no. by a long shot. And the Devils, if you count them as part of New York sports. but And we will talk some NHL later, by the way. But... um. Yeah, I think they're up there. I've been trying to think about this one a lot. They're, they, I, I agree with you, the Cowboys fan base. I don't want to put this fan base in, you know, because I love their passion, and that's um, the Raiders fans. They're crazy. They've had but, to sit through a lot. And they had their team stripped from their city, yeah. which I can't even fathom emotionally what that's like, especially the fact that 
a black hole exists Mm -hmm. because of that franchise. And it was literally taken away from them. And so I feel for them. Um, Steelers fans. What's our take on Steelers fans? Extremely passionate. Yeah. And extremely loyal. Steelers fans are very, Mm -hmm. very loyal. I don't have an issue with Steelers fans. I I know several. I don't have an issue with them. Bills fans are crazy, but you got to love Yeah, but they're lovable. They've been through the the ringer. Absolutely. Here, I, I will say that's another franchise in the NFL, though. Having gone to school in upstate New York, I can tell you, you knew who the Bills fans were at Ithaca College. And that's why when all of a sudden I started hearing from some of the other kids I went to school with who I'm like, you were a Patriots fan or a Giants fan. Mm. But all of a sudden, because they're from Buffalo and the Bills got good, suddenly they cared about the Bills. And, oh, yeah, my family's always been Bills. I'm like, you weren't talking about that in college because they weren't that good. Um and so I have some mixed feelings on like those. I know my guys like Nick Karski, shout out him, Jesse Feldman, like those dudes were riding or dying through four win seasons in it when I was at Ithaca. So power to them. Those guys. Yes. I am happy for you that you have a quarterback and you have a legitimate franchise now. Um, but some of these others, I'm like, where, where, where did this come from? Where did this come from? And also my, a lot of my disdain also stems from the Syracuse and Rochester media piggybacking and acting as if that they are the Bills hometown. So team. are we going to make a declaration here? Are New England Patriots fans the worst in the NFL? I would say Boston sports fans are the worst across all the major sports, and that's not a negative thing. I think it's just because they're so passionate. They can be over-the-top zealous, or they've been so privileged that they don't realize how good they have it. I would say in the NFL, though, it has to be the Cowboys um, because either they're so over-the-top or they're so casual, and they still are living in 1995. I think it's the Cowboys, too. Um, I'm with you. It's the nature of... The belief in America's team year after year, despite there not being an actual track record, uh, I'm going to go with them as well. All right. I know you've been waiting all week to talk about our next topic. Cue it up, Mia. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. My name is Travis Kelsey, and I may or may not be dating Taylor Swift or talking, I should say. The Messenger reported last week that the Chiefs tight end may have successfully kicked off the fling thing with pop superstar Taylor Swift that he was attempting to create over the summer when she played at Arrowhead Stadium. In case you missed it, as first referenced on the Kelsey Brothers podcast, um, you you know about the uh, friendship bracelets, John? Yeah, at at Taylor Swift concerts, that's what people do. They make friendship bracelets. They meet new friends, but keep the old one in silver, the other's gold. They exchange them. Travis Kelsey made one with his phone number on it and was hoping to exchange it with her, but she doesn't talk to people before or after the show, so he never got to give her the bracelet. However, now being reported that they are indeed dating, which our guy... The one, the only Iron Eagle. So apropos in Sunday's Chiefs-Jaguars game when Travis Kelsey caught his first touchdown of the season, a blank space opened up for Kelsey. And he wrote her name. No, he didn't. Uh, I had, uh, that, that's, that's the extent. I was going to make an anti-hero comment, but yeah. Uh, my question for you, John Alba, is, is this the sports power couple to beat at this current rate? I, I, how could it not be? Taylor Swift is... The biggest name in the world right She's now. She's never dated an athlete. She's written about a lot of ex-boyfriends, but she has never dated well, a professional that, athlete. That, I think, is the bigger question then. What kind of mental effect could this potential relationship have on Super Bowl champion Travis Kelsey? Because... Oh, I think it's the other way around. I'm happy for Taylor, honestly. 
Like well, what I know I'm that... saying is, Mia, let's say something goes wrong here. Not that we wish that, but let's say something goes wrong here. Now, all of a sudden, you might find yourself the subject of five number one hits to come in the next. Oh, yeah. Oh, is she going to write a song about him? Whether That's this what I'm turns it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Think Absolutely. about the psyche that comes with that. Yeah. Um, as considering uh, a friend of mine is John Mayer's agent, uh, Flex. Um, but no, it's a UNF connection. Um, shout out more boy, John, other John. Um, and he told me about like the death threats that John Mayer gets from Swifties, it. like from innocent 13 year old girls writing death threat letters I don't think they're innocent. to John Mayer. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, Travis Kelsey's, uh, he's, ent- he's willingly entering a minefield, yes. um, but I'm very excited for her. Um, as someone who, Definitely dated toxic guys, just like Taylor. Um, you know, like you never know, like when, when you finally go like something so different and you're like, wait, wait, this is normal. And I'm not saying Travis Kelsey's normal because I don't think he's normal. Um, he was dating models before this and apparently he doesn't tip well. And the ex-girlfriend claimed that he didn't buy her gifts. Um, I don't think that's true. Um, but the reality is, is I am very excited for Taylor to say, you know what? I have a break August 27th to November 6th when she go, returns to the tour, Buenos Aires, and she's hanging out, just, you know, seeing what comes of it. I, I personally am rooting for them because mm-hmm. I think for both parties involved, um, they both are super obsessed with their uh, craft, but they also seem to have fun and have learned that work-life balance. And so I hope it pans out for both of them because this is the one area she hasn't tried. It's so. amazing what happens when you get out of a toxic relationship and your world opens up and you see that fantasy can become reality. And maybe that's what's happening here. And I think Taylor he would Swift. give her, here's the other thing. I, and I don't know the full extent. I, like I'm a Swifty, but not that crazy. Um, I don't know the full extent of her previous relationships, sure. um, but I know part of it was the uh, like undying, like I am for you and everything with you. Like her previous boyfriend, I'm blanking on his name, the British guy she dated for four years. Apparently part of the issue was like, he didn't like that. She couldn't go to the grocery store and like go shopping. And like, there were other things mm-hmm. that like she just physically can't do. And he was like over it. Travis Kelsey is the same way. Like he can't go out in Kansas city. Like, and if he oh, does, that's, like, that's in a segmented spot. Right. But I think anywhere he would be. No, I mean, now with that podcast, he's a national. Yeah, I mean, he's not. I say he would be I, okay I, I with gotta, her. I got to yeah. get you to step outside the sports bubble here for a second. Okay. There are not going to be people outside of that sports bubble who are going to look at Travis Kelsey and know who he is. And that's nothing against Travis Kelsey. He's one of the most famous athletes in the United States right now. No questions asked about it. But he has not crossed over yet. Not to say that he can't, because I'll tell you what. I think, especially after watching him as the host on SNL, I think Travis Kelsey has a very bright TV career ahead mm-hmm. of him once he decides to hang yep. up the cleats. But at this moment in time, he has not crossed over into that pop culture uh, phenomenon. Now, once you date Taylor Swift, right. all of a sudden, you might find yourself crossing over into the pop culture phenomena that is a celebrity life, and I could very well see. But hey, listen. Good for I think him. he would embrace it. I like. I don't think he would hold it against her. No, not at all. I, and that's why I think I, she has struggled with that. I'm I'm all about like people choosing. not accepting her for like sure. everything the baggage that she comes with. And I think he is <laughs> as as crazy as it sounds. Like if this does pan out that it started with the friendship bracelet, like you know, like I I'm, I'm I appreciate that he knows what she is, and he's like, yeah, let's try it. I'm all about shooting your shot. I think you need to do that sometimes in life because you're always going to wonder what else is out there. Could there be more? And his more could be Taylor Swift. What do you think Travis Kelsey's love languages are? 
Mm. His top two. Yeah, we got words of affirmation, physical touch, quality time. He definitely is a. Um, he definitely binges like Modern Family. No, but I mean, like office. his actual love language is like, like I think he's like totally a words of affirmation guy. Like, oh, that, oh, that's a guy that like needs. He needs yeah. a. Firm... I was well. I was. I was saying those binging those shows because I think he's a cuddler. I think he's the type that he's like a mm. homebody, and he like he likes like at the end of the day unwinding. I think that that's part of his love language is someone who will just lay with him and not talk about the craziness. And I think she needs that. Okay. All right. Uh, are they the power couple though to beat or who's your favorite? Yeah, power I mean, couple? No, no one's touching that. Come on. I mean, she's literally the biggest celebrity in the world right now. Russell Wilson. Sorry. You're out. I mean, a rod lost out on JLo. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's our second A-Rod reference of the program. <laughs> I mean, I'm just being real here. I live for it. Like, I mean, Russell Wilson, you said Ciara, like, uh, I don't know who, what else? I mean, look, okay. There's, I mean, uh, our boy, Justin Verlander with Kate Upton. Kate Upton, Kate yeah. Kate Hudson, there's, which, whichever one he's there's, there's one potential variable that could change this. And Go that on. is, should we find out who Tom Brady eventually links up with? Because if Tom Brady yeah. linked up with someone very famous. Because him and Giselle oh, were, pro- like, that was a big. I'm just saying, like, if he yeah. links up with someone very well known. Right. All of a I hope he here. finds ha- he's another one that like well, Taylor's too young for him, but like I hope he finds happiness, like truly. And like that's someone. Oh, hello! I'm so excited about this. <laughs> I hit my microphone. Like that is someone who was like one of his biggest critics when he played. Like I truly like feel bad for Tom Brady. I say it all the time. Like that is a man who gambled and lost everything. I understand he has seven Super Bowls. But the reality is, is he lost his marriage. He was worried he was going to lose his kids. And he probably lost himself a little bit, too, along the way. And it it does feel like he's taking this year, gap year, to kind of repair that. And I, I hope he figures it out. I hope he finds someone like a Taylor. I hope Taylor, well, I've only ever interacted with her, like, twice. And I have mixed reactions and I've heard mixed things. But I, I hope for the best because she is my hero, my anti-hero. Let's talk about something else that's passionate to you. Okay, okay is- wait. So do you want me to start this one? I know it's Whatever your turn. Like. Because here we go. John, how do you pronounce the, that team's name? I would say the Jaguars. Wars, right? Yep. That's how I would say it. Correct. Because that's okay. how it's spelled. Thank you. This has been a hot topic here, apparently, on the internet. Started by CBS Sports. There's an online debate. They got stirred asking, how do you pronounce that team name? And the consensus based on CBS Sports was Jaguars. And it's funny because I've always heard that on a bunch of sports programming shows. Including Pete Prisco, who, mind you, is paid by the Jaguars weekly to still do programming. And he said Jaguars. And I was just like, Pete. And then you got this one girl, like from Orlando. She's not a girl; she's a CBS host who I think she, she used to work at um, Wesh in Orlando. And homegirl is like, yeah, I, I, you know, I bleed teal. Like I grew up a Jaguars fan, fan since '95. That Jaguars, and you're just like, my girl, and you're paid to t- talk for a living. <laughs> I was so upset. I don't. I just don't know where this stems from. I know it's not recent. This has been happening for years. This is not a new thing by any stretch of the imagination. Speaking I, of big cats, I have a cat currently trying to uh, jump onto a pile of clothing. Terrence, there we go. <laughs> Terrence, how do you pronounce Jaguar or Jaguar? 
He's staring at me. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get an answer on him. I, I, I just have never said, it seems like, I'm going to say this, it seems like an old white man way to pronounce it as Jaguars. Yes. Or, <laughs> I mean, with all due respect, it seems like a redneck way to pronounce it. The Jaguars. But I, I, I just don't know where. Because maybe, like, maybe that's like the Northeast, Jaguars. Like. U-A-R-S. Because, like, water. Jaguars, jaguar, like water, like I don't know. I'm trying to come up with like I have always said jaguars before I moved here to start covering the team. Like as a little kid, I knew the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like you saw a jaguar at the zoo, like not a jaguar. I don't know. I mean, I, I've got I've got friends texting me now as we uh, we talk about this, saying that it's definitely a northeast thing to say it as jaguars. Oh. Oh my god yeah like no that's how it's pronounced <clears throat> okay so i knew there this, are, i told you this would be a controversial topic on there the are regionalisms that exist within all of us sometimes we're not even cognizant of it we're not when i was in my first year in broadcasting First off, in college, my senior year of college, I took addiction course to try to get rid of some of my regionalisms. But my first year on air, I would say, hey, you know, here, actually, better yet, I'm going to type this in our chat here, Mia. How would you okay. pronounce this? How would you pronounce this word? Tournament. You would say tournament. So, I, 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 so, so wait, let me, let me. Coming out of college, I would have said tournament. Bingo. Me but too. I have a, I have a vocal coach because I say how we were raised in the Northeast. T O U R N A NCAA tournament was the NCAA tournament. Yes, and the first time I said tournament on air, you would have thought I pressed the red button and sent the same people that say park the car like. I got. They don't acknowledge the R, the, the letter R, but and I get. And look, there's going to be weirdos out there who call it tournament and stuff like that. It's not. It's not that. I I, I will accept tournament, but my point is, when I said tournament, you would have thought that I like insulted someone's grandmother, and I got no less than five emails within the first hour being like, "Huh, show How your dare you!" Dollars. What's that? I said, how dare you? How how dare you step into my high school gymnasium and refer to it as a tournament? Do you know who I am? My grandfather put up 34 points in the 1956 state tournament. And his name sits in the rafters there at the Bangor Auditorium. How dare you, John? Adam? How dare you? So, yeah, I'm going Jaguars here and not Jaguars. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Let's talk about animal. more animals on the program. The Colorado Buffaloes. Best mascot, but are they the best team in America? That is the question. They did it again. Uh, dramatic. Come from behind. Two-score deficit late. They forced double overtime and defeat rival Colorado State, um, a team that literally won like two games last year compared to Colorado's one. I digress. Um, Coach Prime continues, continues his march to being the number one celebrity in sports across all levels of football, all sports. Would Dion's noise, though, John, be validated with a win over Oregon next I, I got to be real, Mia. Colorado looked like booty in the first three quarters of this game. They did not look like a team that should be considered a top 20 team in the country let alone a top 10 team. 
I lie, by the way. Colorado State won not two, but three games last three year. Three games, okay. Yes. Uh, two, I will tell you which games they beat. Um, they beat Nevada, which is Jay Norvell's former team. Mm-hmm. Hawaii in a nail-biter, 17-13. And New Mexico, big football powerhouse. We strive for accuracy here on Out of Bounds, so I appreciate the correction. Um, this team looked bad. They could not get forward momentum whatsoever. Dion looked out coached for the first three quarters of that game. And then something clicked. And that's where the magic exists within teams like this Colorado team. Not just in college football specifically, but it happens in other sports too. Every team will have those games where they come out really flat. And you can argue that Colorado even looked a little flat against Nebraska at times too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was only, what, uh, 17-13-3 at the half? Sure. And that's a Nebraska team that but, has a good defense, but their offense is abysmal. But it's the, the teams, ball and I, God, I hate using tropes like this, and I'm so mad at myself if I'm about to, but it's the teams that respond well with their back against the wall and adversity, even if it's yeah. self-imposed adversity. Good teams find a way to win. The good teams find a way to win. And I do think Colorado is a good team with a great quarterback no. and great and great speed. And you those... s- you said what changed? Not that he changed, but Shadur Sanders took over in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. And that is where I am fascinated. Not this season, Colorado. Next season, Colorado. Because Shadur Sanders continues to not only lift his stock in the NFL draft this upcoming April, but in the Heisman race as well. Because without Travis Hunter, they still have plenty of playmakers, plenty of speed. But he is who the show really revolves around. Off script, able to be a pocket passer. Tom Brady is his mentor. I couldn't get over in the Nebraska game just how poised he looked in the pocket. And he got sacked seven times. That offensive line has issues. But just the way he calmly navigates that offense, it's a credit to the OC. It's a credit to Dion, who obviously has equipped him with what he needs to succeed. But that guy would be successful independent of who his father is. So, and that is where, what do you think happens next? Well, so then you put them against a team that historically scores a lot of points in Oregon. But that's also a team that survived by the skin of its teeth. And They covered too, John. Don't you they forget. Did. They did. They did cover. Tech last week. So a win for Colorado in a game like that, Mia, let's say they do it. I do very much think it validates everything that Dion's been preaching. I, I can't look at a potential win like that and say, uh, the jury's still out. They win a game like that, and I think we're talking about a team that we have to consider a contender in college football this year. I, contenders have growing pains. Very rarely do you see a team that is just so filthy dominant from start to finish. Even Georgia – this past week had growing pains. Oh, we can as I said, we could have a talk about that too. So I'm not too worried off by the Colorado State stuff, especially since you said he got sacked seven times and they still won this game. No, oh, that was against Nebraska. He got sacked. I didn't see how. Many oh, times but, he got okay, they won the Nebraska game seven. After right, seven he got sacked so. seven times. They still figure it out. Yeah. Uh, Travis Hunter is obviously out for an mm. extended period of time with the injury. I saw a report; it's a lacerated liver, which is like mm. frightening. Um, mm. But we'll see what happens there. Um, for me, this is the first time outside of that opener against TCU, which, lest we forget, John, eighty-one of the ninety-plus players on this roster were not on the roster a season ago. So I can only imagine Sonny Dykes and the crew trying to scout them because right. you have no idea 
idea what they're going to look like. Um, clearly, now there is tape. And so this is the second time this season they have to go on the road. If this game was being played in Boulder, I would pick Colorado to cover, if not win. It's in Eugene. Bo Nix, for as much as we all love to pile on, has looked like a very good quarterback at Oregon, whether you like it or not. And yes, they put 80 plus points on a couple of cupcakes so far. This will be their first real test outside of that Texas Tech game, which they had to go to Lubbock for. So they're battle tested as well. Um, If Dion wins this one, yeah, like bang your chest, buddy. Uh, Caleb Williams comes to town the next week. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now, if you win that one, then if you win that one, like literally book your tickets to the yeah. national championship because yeah. weird things happen. But if you could beat those two teams, I mean, Utah will probably beat you somehow later in the season, but that's a story for another time. The reality is, is that it was great to beat TCU, the reigning national runner ups. Beating Nebraska is huge. Beating Colorado State is huge. Beating your rivals is something that oh, is so hard. underrated in college it's football. Hard. Like Billy Napier went 0 for 4 last year. It's hard. And that's part of why Gator fans needed that win on Saturday to like hang their hat on something, you know, and Dion's already two and out. So he, I am just fascinated, John, what happens when Shadur inevitably leaves for the draft? I mean, if you inspire people with your recruiting, it's not going to matter. Are you still going to be there? Well, I mean, that's also the other question too. It's it's, does he get an sec offer? Does he get an NFL offer? I, I I threw it out there on my daily program, XL Primetime, today. Let's say my prediction of Mike McCarthy's demise with the Dallas oh Cowboys my God, comes I want to, to fruition. I want to puke at the thought of that. I want to puke. Because you're right. You're not wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. You're not wrong. No, you're not I'm wrong. Not. I, just want to, I just want to puke. That's all. I just. Oh, my God. Because Florida State's not coming for him. He said he's no no longer a Florida State like you know elite oh, like he, he doesn't have to be a null. Imagine him succeeding Belichick in New England That's... if Bill were to resign. Yeah, because Lord knows with Mac Jones like I mean... what the situation is there. Um, I see Eddie on the YouTube chats, which of course we love you guys in the YouTube chats. We also would love John if you leave a KYN chat. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, he is suggesting that Dan Quinn would replace Mike McCarthy. He would be the interim. I'm talking next year. I'm talking Jerry Jones taking a shot con. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're uh, not wrong. Not I, think, I think you're dead on with that, actually. I don't think you're wrong at all. It's just, <sighs> well, let's go from Coach Prime to Coach Negative Prime. Well, first of all, the guy's name is Babcock. What did we expect? Well, well Mike Babcock is, I mean, he's a very well-known coach in the NHL. You know, he's got lots of history with Toronto and everything. Anyway, his brief tenure with the Columbus Blue Jackets is over before he even coached a single game, he was hired this offseason. They announced that he would resign yesterday. And why, you may ask? Well, his resignation comes in the wake of allegations surfacing over the past week that he violated players' privacy when he asked to see photos on their cell phones. Now, you might be saying, that's a strange request. Well, it gets weirder. The assertions were first presented when former NHL player Paul Bissonnette said on Tuesday's edition of the Spittin' Chicklets podcast, that Babcock had asked Blue Jackets captain Boone Jenner to show him his camera roll before displaying the photos via airplay on a wall in the coach's office. And then he reportedly asked this of multiple players. And some of the players went out and they tried to say, no, it wasn't what it seemed. But the more the allegations kept coming to the surface, the weirder this got. 
and he has since resigned. Mia, where does this one rank in the weirdest coach resignations ever list? Because this one is mighty questionable, if you ask me. Well, according to Netflix, Urban Meyer resigned as the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and that was after resigning or whatever you want to call it as the head coach of the Florida Gators and the head coach of Ohio state. Um, so yeah, that one, he, he's the king of the resigning. So let's throw that one out there. The one I also am going to throw out at you is the Ed Reed situation at Bethune Cookman, where he was yeah. fired after just 25 days and he accused the school of having a dirty campus and failing to clean his office before he arrived. He goes on this tirade and and just went crazy in front of players, parents, even Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, um, said he's not leaving on his own accord, and then he got relieved of his duties 25 days in. Which yeah. that one was wacky. I, I don't know if we'll ever get the full details on that one. So uh, a 25-day tenure because you called the school dirty. Uh, that's I that's mean, the only one that really – This is a weird of. one, but I think it's – I don't think anything's ever top, topping Bill Belichick, New York Jets head coach. Oh, yes. I mean, Bill Belichick gets hired by the Jets, has a press conference, and then a day later writes a note on a napkin that says, I resign as the head coach of the New York Jets. And the rest is history. What a turn of events, right? It altered the course of football history. And And what's wild, too, is that it was written on a napkin. It was, in fact, written on a napkin. I, I don't think anything tops that as weird as this is, and this is strange i mean this is weird behavior in general and look maybe this is a generational gap and it was just a misunderstanding and he allegedly wanted to see that caliber of guys that he was coaching but that definitely seems like an invasion of privacy to me I don't understand what you gain from it. If you're like trying to bond with your players, be like, yeah, send me some pictures of you and your family. Let me see you and your friends. I don't think that's nearly as harmful as give me your phone. I'm going to project the pictures on the wall and we're going to scroll through them. Something seems a little miffy about that to me. Um, I'm trying to pull up exactly uh, what the internet says about. uh, Yeah. Steve Spurrier. When he left Washington. Um, do we consider that a firing? Yeah, I mean, because yeah. my other one would be Bobby Petrino. Petrino's up there. Nick Saban with the Dolphins is up there. Yeah. After saying, I am not going to Alabama. I am right here in the NFL to stay. And then my, so, well, yeah. if we're going to, if we're going to play that game, let's talk about Lincoln Riley saying, I am not taking the position at Louisiana state university. He went to USC instead. That was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he didn't lie. No, he didn't lie. That's what I loved about that one. I was like, he's not lying. He just went somewhere else. Let's keep rolling here, Mia. All right. To the NBA we go. The Board of Governors unanimously voted last Wednesday to approve tougher resting policy rules, not testing, resting policy rules and punishments for star players who sit out games, including those on national TV and in-season tournaments, AKA load management, as well as multiple all-stars sitting out for regular season games together. The rule would ultimately give the league office authority for greater oversight over discipline for missing games and an ability to find teams more than $1 million for each instance of violating resting rules. John, is this good for the league's fans and fantasy players, or is it short-sighted? So, I'm mixed on this one, honestly, Mia. 
I think you can look at it from two perspectives. If you look at the NBA as a business, which it is, it's a business, you want teams putting out the best product they can for the fans and for everyone. That A fan doesn't want to buy a ticket to a Lakers game and not get LeBron James, right? Like, yep. that's... That's the idea. You want to be able to go out there and see these star players, especially in a league that is so superstar driven, and that's what your teams are marketing. You want to see that. At the same time, I recognize that NBA players, at least in my opinion from covering the NBA, of the big four sports, NBA players are the most elite athletes of all of them. I don't even think it's close. I know people will disagree with me on that. I think the conditioning that you have to have at the height that these players play at is just on another level. So I think that if you look at the past, the Larry Bird era, the Michael Jordan era, as a whole, league conditioning was not up to the standard that it is today. So if players played 82 games in a season – That's great, but I don't think it's the same comparison to make to the game of 2023. So I understand the desire by these players to have load management. I used Kawhi because he's the prototypical example of load management, right? Uh, One thing that actually I'll I'll bring my point up after. Go ahead. What, What are your thoughts on this here? The league is trying to protect its asset, which its most valuable asset is its players and its most marketable asset is its players. Well, the, and, they're not protecting them with this. They're correct. saying they're saying you've got to play. Right. But they're keeping the brand alive and they feel bad for little Johnny and his dad who saved up all year to go to a Golden State Warriors game when they come to Orlando because little Johnny is a massive Steph Curry fan and he gets to the game and whoops, Steph's not in the lineup tonight. And that's not fair to the fan because, you know, not everyone has the money to throw around and just go to a million games a season and hope that they get to see their favorite player. Um, so this is absolutely done with the fans. Fantasy, I guess, but not really. I think it's, I mean, maybe gambling because that's the all-important dollar in 2023. Um, but if only on the surface, I think it's because they had so many instances of either building up the marketing of a game and then the player doesn't play or fans who left home. Well, I think that's, that. and that's it too. You know, the NBA is, you set your primetime schedules long in advance and right. you're marketing these games and all of a sudden Steph Curry's not playing or right. Kawhi's not playing. I mean, you look like fools. But the most interesting thing about this to me is we got something for the first time ever out of the NBA that we've never seen in any other sports league out there. And that is the definition of a star player, which I thought was so fascinating. And this new rule identifies a star player as those who have played in an all-star game or made an all-NBA team in any of the last three seasons. what's, What's your take on that? designation of what a my star first thought is. was i'm like trying to think like did dante divincenzo or mo wagner yeah. or somebody make an all-star game like are they considered under this rule um do those guys count like do we care about their health and the fact that they're trying to cram 82 games into six right. months right. um you know again this is to protect the brand um and to protect the you know quote-unquote viability of each player's brand um because if they rest too much they feel like then they're not making the fans happy and then they won't sell as many tickets or endorsements. I just think it was really fascinating to get a cold, hard definition of what a star is. And and now it's going to alter how I think about that in context of other sports too. It's like, what is a star? 
And if it's they made an all star game in the last three years, or they were all Brett league. Huntley, baby, Snoop Huntley, he is an all star. There you go. I mean, Major League Baseball has a role that every team's got to have a representative. So you could have a booty team, but someone's got to be there. So does that make them a star? I don't know. But maybe under parameters, they are. I'll tell you one team that has struggled in the past with drawing attractions. Or having all-stars either, um, although they've had a couple. Oh, in recent years, they've been very good. But the Tampa Bay Rays, right there, Mia, you are looking at a brand-new stadium in St. Petersburg, Florida, right outside of Tampa. After years of negotiations and threats to leave the state, the Tampa Bay Rays appear poised to announce a new domed stadium this week that is to be built near the existing site of Tropicana Field, keeping them in St. Pete. For many years to come, the new lease would kick in 2028. It will be more than half funded by the team, and they're still trying to figure out how to get the rest of the funding. It does seem like this is going to move forward here. But the question then becomes, Mia, will Rays fans actually care that they're keeping this team? They traditionally rank near the bottom of the league in attendance, despite having over the course of the last 15 years, one of the better teams in all the league. Will these fans actually care they're keeping their team? Have you been to downtown St. Pete recently in the last, like, year? Yeah. Okay. Like, I was blown away. I hadn't been since 2019 until I went this summer, and I was blown away with the bustle of activity, how much they're expanding it. Like, it honestly made me stop and be like, how do the Rays not draw? And granted, I was there during a weekend in which the Braves played the Rays, and so a lot of people will drive in for the Atlanta Braves, um, which is unfortunate because Tampa Bay Rays are also making the playoffs this year. And I don't know if people, you know, everyone was, you know, even knew that. Um, And so I think they're going to market it as a destination. I think that the city of St. Pete is doing a tremendous job between the rail, uh, the rail car system, all the restaurants and the high rise apartment complexes that they've built. I think they're doing a tremendous job of taking St. Pete and changing it from a place that people go to retire and die to a place that young people want to live. Now, do I think moving into Tampa and by Ray J and the rest of the sports complexes, even downtown by Emily arena, would that be a smarter ticket draw? Absolutely. Um, putting it out on an Island in St. Pete, which I mean, let's be real. You get to Tampa, you got to drive another 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Do people really want to do that? I'm not so sure after you've been dealing with I four for how many hours. And so, yes, that part. Well, they want to be out. I I would gamble on downtown St. Pete because I think it's up and coming. They wanted to be out near Ybor city at one point. And yeah, that, that wasn't going to happen. I'll say this about Rays fans. They've been ranking last bottom three in attendance for pretty much the last decade in major league baseball. And the one encouraging thing about it is as the years have gone on each year, it keeps going up and up and up marginally. If your team sees an investment in the future, they will come. And I, I mean, I hate to say the stereotype here, but if you build it, they will come. And I think that their fans recognize that they play in the worst stadium in baseball, or if not the worst, the second worst. You could argue Oakland might be the worst. But they play in one of the worst stadiums in baseball that is so outdated that the power barely stays on during games. The power has gone out at two games I've been at at Tropicana Field. But they have a Devil Ray. like They do have a Devil Ray tank. tank. Yes, yeah, they you do. Can pet the de- you could pet the Devil Rays. But I love that. Maybe they'll bring that over to the news. I hope they do. That's my only request. I think 
there is an app. Listen, Florida is a huge baseball state, right? It like, is huge, no, like the state. number one feeder to Major League Baseball so and college baseball. That's why there has to be a market there, especially with how successful Tampa sports have been in the last five years. But then look at the Miami Marlins, John. But the Miami Marlins, what's what's been their problem? Horrific ownership, and the Rays have had not great ownership, but. The Rays appear poised to be willing to dish out some money, and they're so good at developing prospects. I mean, this is not their fault at all. It appears they're totally going to get burned by the Wander Franco stuff and giving out that big contract, but I think they'll be able to get most of that money back. And you show that you're willing to be in on a a big-time star. I think that will change. I mean, when have the Tampa Bay Rays ever gone all in on getting a superstar they've never Never. it's never happened so if you like the cincinnati Bengals with joe burrow so if you can show your fans that you're actually willing to go out there and go sign a big free agent your team is good enough that you're an attractive destination throw in a good stadium all of a sudden i think you're changing the culture there and on top of this here's the last thing i want to say on this before we get to beast of the week the tampa bay rays now have been around for 25 years we are at the point now where kids who are born after that are becoming adults, having grown up Rays fans. You're going to start to see that shape a little differently, right? There's going to be a shift where kids have kids and raise them as Rays fans. Now you got two generations of Rays fans. And that's how that stuff grows over time. But you have to invest. If you don't invest, then it's never going to happen. How do you feel about a dome stadium rather than a retractable roof? I was going to say, it's not unlike the Jags, to be quite honest. Like, I mean, these franchises, we take for granted how young some of them are. Yeah. How do you feel about a dome stadium rather than a retractable roof? Indifferent because I just sweated it out in a 95-degree heat. But I feel like dome stadiums don't really exist anymore. No, they don't. Well, it doesn't look – pull up the graphic again. It looks like – it's a It'll dome. Be, it's not a retractable roof. It's a dome, but it's not like what the trop is right now. Like, I mean, it's, you know, it, actually it does look like the trop. Who am I kidding? It looks like the triangle thing. Um, but also they ha- it looks like it's exposed outside um, concourses, which yeah. is like the new hip thing because the Jag Stadium is going to have that too. And uh, SoFi obviously does. And SoFi Stadium isn't retractable. It's like that weird. No, like, it's the weird. It's got a roof yeah. with open air on the sides. Right. And that's what that kind of looks like to me. Interesting. Wow. Interesting. All right, Mia, what is your beast of the week? Who did the most beastly thing in the sports world this week? Well, we made it through the entire program, 50 minutes worth, and we didn't get an Iowa reference in. So you knew this one was coming. 41 points for Brian Ferentz and the boys after he smashed his headset going into halftime when the Hawkeyes were tied at 14 with lowly Western Michigan. And needless to say, that has upped his average for the season after scoring 24 and 20 points in the first two outings. He has to average 25 points per game in case you missed it to keep his job. Um, Although the exact terms of that being the reality are largely unknown. Um, But the drive to 325, as we like to call it on X or Twitter, uh, is alive and well, John Alba, because now we're ahead of schedule and then have to face Penn State and Michigan State back-to-back weeks. Okay, you're going to go by us, then I'm going to go by us. Give it all the Beast of the Week honoree to Danny Dimes. Oh, here he goes, folks. Here he goes. I'm a believer again. Danny Dimes, after the Giants got off to truly one of the most putrid starts in the history of the NFL, with the Cowboys loss and 
just an absolute dismal I'll showing 60 to zero in the first half in of six their quarters. game against the Cardinals. I understand the Cardinals are not good. I get that. But still, the NFL is a difficult league to win in regardless, okay? And we saw for the first time in a long time a New York Giants offense that clearly went through its quarterback. And I said to myself, there it is. There's the Daniel Jones that I've been waiting to see. He kept his poise 26 of 37, 321, averaged almost 10 yards a pass, two touchdowns. I'm I'm feeling really good. 59 rushing yards and a touchdown. I think Daniel Jones is going to live up skill-wise to his contract. Will he have the skill around him? I don't know. Will he live to week eight in the season with the offensive line the Giants have? No, he will not. Something needs to change on that front. Plus with Saquon Barkley now being out for up to three weeks. I mean, it's going to be the ultimate test, but Danny Dimes earned my beast of the week because I I thought he really turned it up and showed that he is the guy there. I thought you were going to give it to Jonathan Gannon for the best tank job we've seen uh, (laughs) since the 2020 Jaguars. And by the way, the uh, man alive, I got to got to give some love too to uh, Harrison Melvis, the Missouri kicker, 61 yard field goal. Mavis, sorry, uh, Mavis. Um, thicker kicker. Yes, we lo- we love the thicker kicker. What's funny too, John, is that his brother um, was the kicker at Iowa State. He actually was signed as an undrafted free agent by the Jags last year. If you remember, there was a young rookie kicker that um, hit second reference of the show, um, Super Bowl winning head coach Dave Campo um, with one of his kicks, not once but twice in a training camp practice last year. That was Harrison Mavis' brother, who mm. is probably a third the size of Harrison despite being six years older. Mm. Those are our beasts of the week. This has been Out of Bounds. We're back with you next week. We'll see you right here on Know Your News. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.